Well, do you struggle with sin? Do you struggle with sin? Is there something in your life which does not please God? Something you feel addicted to, something you feel uh, controlled by, uh, enslaved by. Maybe you try to resist for a few days, a few weeks, or a few months, but it's stronger than you, so you just give in. After all, does sin really matter? I mean, is sin really that bad? I mean, why bother? Uh, nobody's perfect, and everybody, everybody makes mistakes, don't they? And you know what? At the end of the day, God will forgive us. As someone famously said, God will forgive me. That's his job. We'll go to church on Sunday or on Wednesday. We'll, we'll say the Lord's Prayer, which we know by heart. Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We'll be forgiven and we will sin the next day. And by doing so, we will do God a favor. Why? Because we're sin increased. Grace abounded all the more. You see, the more we sin, the more grace abounds because we give God a chance to show His grace, to keep forgiving us again and again. So let's continue to live in sin that grace may abound. Grace is just an excuse to sin, isn't it? Well, if that's what you believe, uh, Romans chapter 6 has been written for you. So far in Romans, Paul has said that we can be justified, uh, declared righteous, accepted by God, by faith in Christ, and by the free gift of his grace, of his undeserved mercy. And he has also said that we can rejoice in hope of the glory to come. The day when we are totally free from sin, in God's presence, in heaven forever. Uh, remember what Paul says at the beginning of chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible calls justification. And that's a summary of chapter, of chapter 1 to 4, justification by faith in Christ. But then Paul continues, verse 2, Through him, Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And that's what the Bible calls glorification. In other words, we are justified today. But one day we'll be glorified. The question is, how are we supposed to live in between? Between the now, justification, and the not yet, glorification. What about what the Bible calls sanctification? Sanctification, the work of God's free grace, whereby we are enabled more and more to die unto sin and to live into Righteousness. Can we actually be free from the power of sin here and now? Can we say no to lust, uh, internet pornography, uh, unjustified anger, uh, jealousy, uh, envy, uh, slander, gossip, swearing, lying, pride, selfishness, greed? 
Is there any hope for a wretched sinner like me? Well, by God's grace, by God's amazing grace, there is hope. And that's what our passage is all about this morning. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 11 is all about death. The word die, died, death or dead is repeated 14 times in 11 verses and comes back in almost every single verse. And the logic of a passage is a bit hard to grasp, but we could sum it up in this way. First of all, we die to sin, verse 2. We die to sin when we died with Christ, verse 3 to 7. We die to sin when we died with Christ because Christ himself died to sin, verse 8 to 10. Does that make sense? Or to put it more simply, uh, I think Paul's main exhortation in this passage is, let's not continue to live in sin. Since we die to sin, let's not continue to live in sin. Since we died to sin. So first of all, we die to sin. Verse 2, if you've got a Bible with you, verse 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Now, the obvious question is, what does to die to sin mean? Uh, does it mean that once you become a Christian, you stop sinning? What do you think? I don't think it does mean that. I, think, I don't think it, it means that. Uh, the Bible makes it very clear that once uh, we become a Christian, we, we, we keep sinning, unfortunately. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Does it mean that once you become a Christian, uh, you don't want to sin anymore? Does it mean that the desire to sin has died? No, it doesn't. Once you become a Christian, uh, sin still remains extremely attractive and, and appealing. It's a bit like in the Garden of Eden. Uh, sin looks good and, and pleasing to the eyes and desirable. In other words, sin still tastes like honey for a second. So what does Paul mean when he says we die to sin? Well, I think that's a very difficult question, actually. But I think that in the context of Romans 6, what Paul is saying is that believers can not only be free, set free, delivered from, from a penalty of sin, but also from its enslaving power, from its bondage, from its absolute tyranny. I mean, look at verse 6 with me. We know that our old self was crucified with him, with Christ, Paul says, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you, or to put it uh, the way another Bible version puts it, for sin shall no longer be your, your master, your law, literally. So you see, Paul is not saying that sin has no more power in the life of believers. Sin still remains an attraction to be battled with every single day. But what Paul does say, at the very least, is that the power of sin has been broken and that we can therefore fight, resist, 
and live differently, live a different life. We no longer have to let sin reign in our body. We no longer have to obey its passions and submit to it. We can say no to sin. Do you believe this? We can choose not to sin. Can we? Yes, we can. Have you seen a, a dead body before? Anyone? The last dead body I saw was my, was my father. On his deathbed, on a cold winter night in France. Now, if you touch a dead body, do you expect it to react? Do you? If you talk to a dead body, do you expect it to talk to you? Well, of course not. Why? Because a dead body doesn't do anything. A dead body stays dead. Do you see what I mean? In the same way, as Christians, we died. We are dead. And when sin calls us, we are not supposed to answer. That's not who we are. That's not what we do. Let me give you another example. Uh, imagine you're driving on the freeway at 100 kilometers per hour, and you left your mobile phone on the passenger seat of your car on your left-hand side, and your phone starts to ring. What do you do? What do you do? Well, I guess you could answer, couldn't you? But you don't have to, do you? In fact, you shouldn't, because in Australia and in many countries of the world, it's not only dangerous, but also illegal to phone while driving. So don't worry about it. I mean, let the phone ring. Don't pick up. Keep focusing on the road. Keep driving. In the same way, when sin calls you, don't pick up. When it knocks at the door, don't open the door. Let's not continue to live in sin. Why? Because we died. We died to sin. As Christians, sin is no longer part of who we are. Why? Because we died with Christ. And that's our second point this morning. First of all, we die to sin. Secondly, we die to sin when we died with Christ. Verse 3 to 7. If you've got a Bible with you, let's look at verse 3 together. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Verse 4. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into his death. Verse 5. For if we've been united with him in a death like his. Verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ. Now, how did we die with Christ? How does that work? Well, that's another tricky question, uh, a complicated one, but I think the short answer is that we died with Christ by faith in him, which is visibly signified or illustrated by water baptism. You see, what unites us to Christ is not baptism in itself, I don't think. 
what unites us to Christ is faith. Faith which is visibly uh, signified or illustrated by baptism. And when I prepared this sermon, I heard the story of a pastor in England, a very famous pastor actually, who tries to hold people underwater as long as possible when he baptizes them. And I wonder if he would be keen to be baptized by this pastor. So that's, that's, that's how he would do it, okay? He would say, I baptize you. The person would still be underwater. In the name of the Father, they start to kick. And in the name of a son, bubbles start to emerge. And in the name of a Holy Spirit, and then they start to turn blue. And then out of the water they come kicking and screaming like a newborn baby. Now, why would this pastor do such a thing, do you think? Why would he do that? I think that's because he wants people to realize that when they get baptized, baptism is a symbol of, absolutely, of death. When we put our trust in Christ, when we believe in him, when we get baptized, we, we die. Our old self is buried in the water. Our old life is drowned. In Christ, we stop living for ourselves and we start living for him. And that's interesting because that's exactly what the rest of the passage says. Look at verse 4. We were buried with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too might. Now that's interesting. How would you finish that sentence? I mean, if the parallelism of his verse was respected, we should expect Paul to say, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too might be raised from the dead, right? That would be parallel. But Paul doesn't say that. Again, look at verse 4. We were buried with him by baptism into his death. In order that just as Christ raised from the dead, we too might walk in newness of life. Now that's fascinating. Do you get the point? There is an intention, there is a purpose behind our union with Christ. We've been united with him for a purpose. When we put our trust in Christ and when we get baptized, it marks the end of our old self. Our old life, right. But that's not the end of the story, is it? As we come out of the water, we are raised to new life. To live a new life. And that reminds me of another passage uh, written by Paul in the book of Colossians. If then we have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. You must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. 
Now, I'm not a big fan of AFL, but because I live in Melbourne, I feel that I have to follow AFL. Look, the pitch is massive. Sometimes the game gets a bit messy. I struggle to understand the rules. Sorry, forgive me. Uh, but that's fine. I don't mind it. And uh, I'm going for the first time to an NFL game in a few weeks' time for my son's birthday. So I rejoice. But do you know D Dustin Martin, the Richmond uh, Tigers player? Very famous one. Imagine for a second that Dustin Martin changes team next year and decides to play for Collingwood, the Magpies. What a traitor. Now imagine for the, for the first game of the season against Collingwood, against the Magpies, Dustin Martin puts on its Richmond top. Black and yellow, if I remember well. What would his teammates say? Mate, what are you doing? You're not playing for Richmond anymore. You're playing for us. Collingwood, the magpie. Get rid of his top. Put it, up, put it away. And put on your new top. Collingwood, the magpies. Black and white. Do you see what I mean? As Christians, we have changed teams. We've changed. We're now in Jesus' team. We play for him. We live for him. When I prepared this sermon, I heard the story of a, of a Korean Christian who gave his testimony one day and, and said something like this, I died in Christ when I was 22. I died in Christ when I was 22. Now, I don't know what you think, but that I find it fascinating. I've never heard one say this before. Uh, when I usually give my testimony, I usually say, or oh, I realized, or oh, I understood that Christ died for me when I was 23, which is what happened. But I've never, I've never said, I died in Christ when I was 23. I've never said that. And yet, it's perfectly biblical. I mean, listen to what Paul says in, in, in the book of Galatians, another book in the New Testament. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And if you're a Christian this morning, if you call yourself a Christian... That applies to you as well. You have been crucified with Christ. You are united with him. You belong to him. What happened to him belong, happened to you. And that leads us to our third and final point this morning. First of all, we died with Christ. Sorry, we died to sin when we died with Christ because Christ himself Died to sin. Verse 8 to 10. Now, if we have died with Christ, Paul says, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. Once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now, how did Christ die to sin? 
Well, that's another tricky one for us this morning. But I think Christ died to sin in the same way as we did, by being set free from its power, from its uh, uh, tyranny. You see, Jesus was fully God, right? We believe that Jesus was fully God, but we also believe that Jesus was, was fully man, and that he was tempted in every way, just as we are. And, and when you think about it, Jesus was surrounded by tax collectors and was therefore tempted by, by money. And when you think about it, as shocking as it may be, Jesus was surrounded by women and was therefore tempted by sex. And when you think about it, Jesus was also surrounded by the devil, remember? And he was therefore tempted by power. I will give you all the kingdoms of the world, says the devil, and their glory if you fall down and worship me. But Jesus never gave in to temptation and therefore never sinned. That's why today he can not only sympathize with us, sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows. But he can also help us when we are tempted. So turn to him when you're tempted. As the book of Hebrews says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in time or need. You see, grace, God's earnest of mercy, that's the only way to stop living deliberately in sin. That's the only way to live a life which is pleasing to God. What we need is not more laws, no more rules. Don't do this, don't do that. Do this, do that. That, that, won't, do, that won't work, that won't change our hearts. What we need is more grace. See, grace is what should fill our hearts and minds with, with gratitude and thankfulness and with a desire to obey God and to please Him. But that doesn't mean that we should make any efforts because grace is not opposed to efforts, I think. What is grace opposed to, do you think? What is grace opposed to? I think grace is opposed to earning, because by definition, grace is something you, you cannot earn and you don't deserve. So let's not continue to live in sin. Why? Because we died. We died to sin. And that's how Paul concludes this passage, verse 11. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin. And alive in God, in Christ Jesus. I'd like to finish with a few applications for us this, this morning. Do you struggle with sin in your Christian life? Do you? Well, if you do, I do. <laughs> Whatever it is, do you know what? It is, it is a good sign. It is a very good sign. It is a sign that you are spiritually alive and that the Spirit of Christ lives in you. Uh, I don't know if you know Jesse Ryle. Jesse Ryle is, is a British, British author, and he wrote a book which I strongly recommend called Holiness. And that's what he says. True Christianity is a struggle, a fight, and a warfare. Do we find in our heart of heart a spiritual struggle 
Do we feel anything of war in our inward man? Well, let us thank God for it. It is a good sign. You see, if you didn't struggle with sin, if you kept living in sin, I mean, deliberately and without questioning yourself at any time, that would be worrying. And if that's you this morning, if you know nothing of his struggle, uh, if you know nothing of his fights, if you know nothing of his warfare, if you continue to live in sin deliberately, without questioning yourself, I really hate to say this, and maybe you will hate me for saying this, but I will still keep loving you. It can only mean two things. It can only mean that you might not be a Christian in the biblical sense of the term, or you didn't understand the gospel of grace. You didn't understand what Christ did for you and who you are as a result, dead to sin and alive in God. And if that's you this morning, can I urge you to, to come back to God, to repent, to put your trust in Christ and to be baptized. And if you want to be baptized, talk to Reverend Ben. That would be wonderful. Or can I encourage you to talk to someone, someone you trust, someone who can pray for you, someone who can pray with you, and chances are they might be struggling with the same thing. So let's encourage one another. We need one another to keep fighting the good fight of faith, don't we? I need you. Please help me. Because at the end of the day, the only way to live the only way to live is to die. Listen to what Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verse 23 to 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Let us pray. To finish and we can let the Spirit of God speak to us through the Word of God in this passage Lord we thank you for your son who died for our sins we thank you for his resurrection from the dead we thank you for the living hope we have and we thank you for your Holy Spirit living in us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit, enable us to fight against sin and to live a life which is pleasing to you because we died to sin when we died with Christ, who himself died to sin. So let's not continue to live in sin since we died to sin. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.